Welcome to Wild Hearts Club, a podcast encouraging vulnerability, conscious communication, and aligned action. Like the only thing that women are like really praised for in my family is like beauty and our looks and our size. So it wasn't my eating disorders weren't a problem because then I looked a certain way and my mom liked that and um, it, it, it was just really hard to deal with. I'm Nikki J, and thanks for listening. That was the voice of Caitlin Smith. Caitlin is a personal trainer and she operates an online platform under the name Caitlin Curiosity, where she's built a virtual workout studio and hosts a bunch of digital workshops that aim to teach people how to best take care of their health and needs in the most accessible and sustainable way. Caitlin and I jumped right into all things that are kind of defining our modern day human experience in the West from taking action in our lives despite fear and societal conditioning. We discuss body image issues and the frustration of this elitist culture that has started to kind of cultivate in the wellness industry. We also talk about the magic of keeping life simple and getting back to our community roots in order to find relational and nutritional nourishment. Honestly, we really just jived and... I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. Caitlin, I'm so thrilled to have you join me today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Okay, let's begin with hearing a little bit about your story, where you grew up, um, what your early years were like. Yeah, so I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I lived there for almost 29 years. That's where I was born and raised, and my family is natives to there, so all of my family is there. And for my childhood, I grew up in a small family. There was just my brother and I and my mom and my dad, and I, as a child, was so, so introverted, so shy. I had like the most severe social anxiety I can remember from being such a young age of just being like so petrified of everything and everyone and being seen so I did like literally whatever I could do to just like blend in or for no one to see me I was such a little hermit and it's it's so interesting now to see as an adult of like how that wasn't accepted like my mom would always try and push me out of that to like I understand it was like to try and get me to grow and to get past that, but it was kind of just very unaccepting. And I think socially too, and just in society, it was not accepted to be like that. Like the, everyone who got attention was loud and outgoing and confident. And I just, I wasn't like that at all as a child. Um, And we had a pretty, a pretty normal upbringing. It's just so, it's interesting too, because I'm so integrated in the world of wellness now and that's not how I was raised my parents for the longest time what like thought I was so weird when I got into farming because the way that we were raised was eating out all the time and fast food and my mom would cook like through the week but it wasn't a whole lot of healthy stuff there was a lot of junk food I gained weight when I was really little um, in elementary school 
And that's kind of when I lost all my friends. So I think a lot of my programming around my body and like weight gain and how others viewed me, I had to really work through as an adult because when I was younger, I gained a lot of weight. I lost a lot of friends. I was super shy and like nerdy. So I was just kind of like this little chubby outcast and I was so unhappy and it breaks my heart to look at now and I'm sure it's so much harder now with social media kids have it at like such a young age access to it but like the bullying that was involved and having no education on how to feel good in my own body and so when I went from being chubby I then like went into eating disorders in middle school because I didn't know how to control I didn't know how to control it and that felt like the one way I knew how to control everything was to stop eating or then it went in from anorexia to bulimia and it just was my only way to control and sadly in my family we're like the only thing that women are like really praised for in my family is like beauty and our looks and our size so it wasn't my eating disorders weren't a problem because then I looked a certain way and my mom liked that and um it, it, it was just really hard to deal with and I didn't get through it until like my early 20s because even then when I got into the world of wellness it became orthorexia which if people are unfamiliar with it's it is taking your like healthy eating obsession like not even taking healthy and eating to an obsession and to a point where it's disordered so I became like vegan and raw vegan and I would like freak out if I had to like if there weren't any options and it then I realized I wasn't happy in that way too, but I thought I was eating healthy. So it was like navigating all of that. And I feel so grateful though now because I have all of the tools and the knowledge and I'm able to help women who are who have gone through that too or are currently going through that because it's not an easy process. And especially with society, it's kind of coming at you from all angles. So yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, wow. I... Oh, thank you for sharing that. I really resonate <laughs> with most of that, in all honesty. I feel you. How did you overcome the disordered eating and, I guess, ultimately discover that, like, you are not your body and to sort of cultivate that self-love? How? What was that journey like and when did that happen? That started happening when I was around 20 I had a boyfriend at the time we moved out for the summer to Virginia where his family his uncle and aunt and cousins lived and they had an 80 acre organic vegetable farm that they that's how they made their living they sold at the farmers markets and it's crazy because it was something I was never interested in but on a whim we just moved out there for summer and we lived and we worked on the farm and I instantly developed this connection from growing growing the food into like putting it into my body, making me feel energized. And it was like this whole, it just transformed the way I thought about food because before I was so programmed to think about like dieting and calories and sugar and carbs and fats. And like, that was my obsession was like counting everything. And then for the first time in my life, I was eating real whole foods that were making me feel great and then making my skin look great. And in like, it, it just made me feel great. And that's when I like, it all started to connect is like, I just want to feel good every single day. And how can I do that? And eventually, 
years later, I got into, I was never someone who liked working, I never liked working out. I never found like something that worked for me or like that I enjoyed going to or looked forward to going to. And I found strength training and it all just came full circle where it was like, I was eating these real foods. I was challenging my body to do things that mentally I was like, you can't, you cannot do that. There's no way. Like I would just beat myself up and then I would do them. I'm like, oh shit, I just like, I just lifted that or I just did that or I could see myself getting stronger. And it just, all, every, all the disordered thinking just vanished. It just dissolved because I couldn't, I couldn't feel guilty when I knew I was moving my body every day, connecting to it on a physical level, eating things that made me feel energized. It was doing all these things that chemically made me feel so good that I literally just feel like the old thoughts dissolved. And I do also have to credit um, therapy too is another big one and especially EMDR therapy, which for those of us that have had um, traumatic events, so I suffered trauma I believe through like the eating disorders caused a lot of trauma and then I had um, a sexual trauma that happened in my teens that I didn't realize that I was physically carrying like throughout my adulthood until I saw a therapist who who started doing EMDR on me and that was healing on so many levels and I didn't realize how much anger I had at my own body from experiencing that trauma that I like blamed my, you know, I blamed what I looked like, I blamed my body, I had all of these really harsh emotions and it wasn't until we kind of like unlocked that that it kind of all just melted away and I I began to love my body and and honor it for what it's, it does for me every day and how strong it's gotten and it's interesting because before I moved out here I took a break from like strength training and intuitive eating it was just like I felt like I needed a break from it all and it's so crazy how like the the chemical feeling of just like overall happiness I was having from it. And then when I took the break, like my mental health issues came back where my anxiety flared up and I was feeling depressed. And but I told myself, like, you need this break, it's okay. And it wasn't until I've gotten recently back into it, like, that I've really realized how influential just like simply like eating whole foods, doing really simple meditations and just connecting to my body on some kind of physical level, whatever that looks like. Um, I do like to ask myself like each day, like what sounds good to you today? So I'm not putting this pressure on like you have to work out, you have to do this. It's just like, oh, a run sounds really nice. Or maybe like a yoga video on YouTube or doing a strength training workout um, and just kind of like connecting and listening to what I need. And my mental health is like dramatically changed again in the best way and just just honoring myself and taking time for myself and seeing progress in myself, not in the form of like, I got ups, it's just like in the way of getting stronger or feeling connected, just feeling connected to myself, I guess, overall would be like the biggest thing. Oh, that's amazing. That link between physical exercise and your mental well-being is, is, oh. There's such a strong connection there. And much like you, I've um, embarked on a lot of physical, a lot more physical exercise lately, um, changing it up because I walk my dog every yeah. day, but um, doing things that like sprinting, like doing sprints and different things that I used to do as a kid that are yes. fun and playful and require a lot of energy, but you feel so good and you feel strong. And it's like, yes, mm, yeah, very powerful. It's so I, 
I don't know if you like I don't know if you've ever watched Friends, but there's this episode where like I'll make it really quick if you have not, but like Phoebe and Rachel, like Rachel won't run with Phoebe because Phoebe runs like a like a child. Like she throws her hands up in the air and runs like crazy fast, but like it makes her really happy. And I've like tried practice, like just like you said, like doing childlike exercises like dancing or sprinting, just like things you used to do as a child. And just it brings you so much joy and you just get out of your head and it's it's so like if you if you haven't tried it and you're like or you haven't worked out in a while like just start there and it brings you so much joy it's insane like cartwheels in the grass like yes somersaults (laughs) oh I love it it's so good it's so fun sometimes I wonder I'm like oh I wonder if people I mean there's actually Montreal's such a great motley crew of individuals so I think um anything goes but I do sometimes wonder I'm like I wonder if people think who is this crazy girl just like doing somersaults down this hill with her dog chasing her oh my god that's amazing I love it um you said something earlier too that sort of piqued my interest and that was um when you said you were growing up in your family and that um like your appearance and how you sort of acted and behaved was a priority and you got positive feedback from um, your your mom or your family if you looked a particular way or acted a particular way. And um, I had a really similar experience. And I know for me, it's been actually a really, um, it was a painful sort of realization that there was a whole side to me that wasn't honored by my family that was ultimately rejected Mm -hmm. and that I got this conditional sort of love and acceptance from them only when I fit into the mold of what they deemed ideal and so I'm wondering Mm -hmm. what that experience was like for you as well oh man um that that was like my experience to a T it was I had to you're right like there were so many parts of me that weren't honored and I had to act a certain way or look a certain way or follow these rules of like once you graduate high school you go to college and after college you go and get like a a quote-unquote real job that's like a nine to five and even if it makes you miserable this is what you have to do for the rest of your life to get insurance and then you can retire and then you can go live your life and do whatever you want and I just never felt that way never resonated with that and for so long I would have such a hard time with like family gatherings because it just, it wasn't me. I, I went to call, I went to a university right outside of high school and I had no idea why I was going or what I was going for, or what I was going to do with the rest of my life. You know, you're 18. I just, for me, that was just never, I never knew. I didn't know. And I knew friends that I had a few friends that like from the time they were like four knew they wanted to be like a hairdresser or this or that. And I was just never that person. And so that was a really big struggle. And I was someone who was people pleasing to a degree of I don't care how miserable it made me. I don't care how depressed I was or how much I was suffering. As long as people were happy with me, that mattered more to me. And so that's something I've not until recently had to deal with where, you know, you're establishing boundaries and finding a way to establish those boundaries in a kind and compassionate, loving way instead of coming from this like defensive way it took me a really long time to get to. And it really, to touch on the farming again, it wasn't until I was farming and I saw 
this family who was making a living, working for themselves, creating their schedule and owning their own business. I'd never seen anyone own their own business before or be happy doing what they wanted for work or doing what they loved and financially supporting themselves. And it wasn't until I saw them that I was even knew it was a possibility. And I think that's a lot of that programming is what's held me back in my own financial journey is, is that there's this like deep belief in me just based off the way I was raised that like, I can't do what I love and make money at the same time. So that's something I've had to work through. Um, and I've had a, a failed business and it's, but it's not stopped me from like doing it all over again, because there's just something bigger inside of me. That's when I like this mission that's bigger inside of me that like, I have to help women and I have to make wellness more accessible because I was so broke during all of those times like and I still found a way to like incorporate wellness into my life and it's it makes me sad sometimes not to like go off on a tangent that like I see that we're being sold all of these like powders and potions and oils and products that are so expensive and you know there's people that can't even afford like therapy but we're being told that we need to like buy this product or that product or this dress or this thing or that thing and I'm like, how can I be a different voice in this world right now that's trying to sell you something and instead like teach people either how to make these own things themselves or find more accessible ways for them to feel their best every day. And it's, it's so, it's, it's just so crazy. And it it really hasn't been until recently that I've had the support of my family. And I think I credit a lot of the internal work that I do because it, I mean, even throughout my mid-20s, there I'm just the black sheep of the family and for so long because I don't fit in the, the box that they created and their box comes from the box that their parents created and what society has created. And I actually, now I look at it as like, I'm I'm expanding them. Like I, and it wasn't until I made this move that like my parents, they're separated. So like I had the conversations with them individually that they both cried and were like, I'm so proud of the way that you just like jump into these things fearlessly and take these adventures. And like, especially my dad was like, I would never, like, these are things I would never do that scare the shit out of me. And you're doing them. And I'm just so proud. And that took a really long time to get here because for most of my life, it was like, they, they, one of them had called me reckless and stupid for opening up my own business and, uh, like just would call me out and I wasn't accepted. And I had to like do a lot of internal work around that and just keep jumping fearlessly, whether people support it or not. And now we've kind of come to the other end where it's almost inspiring to them, which is the people pleasing side of me is still like, that feels really great. But like, I, the greater part is like, I know that I hopefully am inspiring them and to like live a little bit more fearlessly too. I hope, I really hope so. Oh, not just them, but I mean, everyone you're connecting with and everyone on um, that you meet and that you share your story with through, you know, social media in the digital world, like that fearlessness is um, such a magnetic and attractive like aspect of of your personality I think it's so special and so many people get stuck in the fear and they let it make their decisions for them and they let it dictate their life and 
it's the greatest tragedy in my opinion because you miss mm. out on all the best bits. It's so true though because even when I made the move was the biggest thing that I received so much feedback on and it was so wild to me the questions that would come in from women. It was all women of all of their fears that were coming out of, aren't you afraid of being alone? Aren't you afraid that if something happens, no one will hear you? Aren't you afraid that you won't like it? Aren't you afraid you're going to miss your old life? Aren't you afraid that you'll never meet a partner? Aren't you afraid you're never going to have a family? Like it was insane the amount that was coming at me. And for them, it, it didn't really hit me until it was like one after the other that, I, and I'm so empathetic that it kind of like hit me hard where I was like, this is how like these women are living their everyday lives. And it just broke my heart that like, these are the thoughts that are preventing, I mean, everyone, it's not just women that are preventing them for like, from living the life that they really desire and that they're curious about and excited about and like, they're drawn to but they're just afraid they're letting their fear take over and it's I'm like how can I how can I help these people get through this because like it's not to say that I don't have fear it's just that it's almost like when I see when I know I'm afraid of something it's like okay you have to do this to grow like there's you you know there's going to be growth on the other side and I kind of get addicted to that of like I like right before this move I was like this journey is going to crack me open in a way that I've never experienced before. And I was excited. I'm like, let's fucking do it. And let me tell you, it has. And that doesn't mean it's easy. There's been so many challenging things since, you know, sitting with your own thoughts and being in nature and like really going in, like living your, like your authentic, like soul path is, it doesn't mean it's easy. It just, it just, it, it's, just what I'm supposed to do. Like, that's all I know is like, I'm just supposed to be doing this right now, whether it makes sense or not. This is just what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And we can't, um, we can't intellectualize like a soul yearning. You can't put words or labels or explanations to something that just feels so intrinsically right. And so I'd love to talk a bit about your move. I mean, if this is maybe one of the greatest leaps of faith that you've taken, leaving your hometown, moving across the country, um, living on your own in a really quiet place, what what are some of the biggest lessons that have come up for you in this experience? Oh, man. Um, to give a little background for anyone who doesn't know about the move, I'll make it really short. But I was an Arizona native. I grew up there my whole life besides that one summer in Virginia and I was living in downtown Phoenix, which at the time when I had found that apartment, it was the perfect apartment in the perfect place. It was around all of the restaurants and bars and just like the spot to be. And I slowly started having a disconnect where it just like the energy fell off to me after about a year and a half. And I kept getting this like soul calling that I was supposed to be in nature. And like, I'm just I feel like I'm supposed to be in nature. I'm so burnt out here. I'm so unhappy. Even my dog's energy was shifting a lot because we were in a 500 square foot apartment with no yard space. Like it, it was just a lot for us to handle. And I was like, I like there, I know I'm supposed to be in nature. So I didn't feel like it was Arizona. And especially as being like, I was 28. I was about to, it was a couple months before my 29th birthday. And if I'm being honest, like, if you would have asked me like 10 years ago, I thought at 29, I would be married with children and like probably a housewife. And it's just being 29 and single and not dating and 
it just wasn't what I, I mean, we all have those ideas for ourselves of like where we thought we'd be at a certain point in life. And instead of being so sad about it, cause I, for a while was, I was really sad that I wasn't, I didn't have a partner and that there wasn't someone who like cared about me or asked about my day or like I had that emotional connection to, or I didn't have children and I had friends that had children and it would like break my heart that I like wasn't in that place. And instead of being in that cycle of like what I didn't have, I was like, but at the same time, I have the freedom of having, I have no mortgage. I have no ties holding me down. I have a remote position so I could work from anywhere. I have no quote unquote responsibilities besides, you know, the dogs and my job. So I'm like, why not see this as like a chance to have a great grand adventure and a story to tell when I'm older or, you know, just like live my life to the fullest. And so after I had this calling, I, I had found, I, I knew I wanted to be in the, like, I thought I wanted to be in the Pacific Northwest. So I started looking on Zillow. First it was like Big Sur. And then I moved up into Portland and I kept going around Oregon and I have never been to Oregon. I've never, I've really, I've not traveled a lot. I've never been to anywhere in Oregon, but for some reason I just kept getting this pull. And so like, I was looking for a few weeks and there would be times where I would like doubt if I could find anything in my budget for, cause I had a very specific vision of like what I wanted And Portland was still too city for me. And so one random night I like clicked on the map on Zillow rentals on the Northeast part. And there was this cabin that was listed and it was like two hours ago. And as soon as I saw, I just had this gut reaction of like, that's the place. And it was less than what I was budgeting for. And then when I had the call with the landlord, it was literally everything on my list to a T, like mind-blowingly on my list. Like everyone always asks like, how did you find that place? And it's always just like, I'm just supposed to be here. I don't know what else to tell you. It's like fate brought me here. I'm just supposed to be here. And so I packed up my car. I packed up any everything I could. I downsized my life, packed it up in the car, including the two dogs. And we took the 17-hour drive up to Oregon. <laughs> and we're here now. And it's been, I mean, it on a soul level, the most healing thing ever. Like there's a creek that runs outside my door and a river and horses and they're like a bald eagle and deer runs through my yard and I get to like see every star at night. And for me, the most challenging things that have come up have like nothing to do with this space. Like it's not being alone. That's the biggest question I get asked all the time. And as an introvert, it's how I recharge. So I've never felt more recharged in my entire life. Like I'm just feel so happy here. So the challenges that have come up though is like when you are sitting still and like being taking time for yourself and I'm doing like meditating and just it's a lot of like self-reflection time. It's just been questioning of like like why am I here? What is my mission? How do I help? How do I help people? It's just been all of those old fears and that have that have come up of like how can I do something bigger than myself? And and I, I don't know if it's just like nature, nature makes you feel so small. Like when I look up at every star in the sky, I'm like, I'm just this like little tiny blip. Like how, how do I make an impact on this world? Like how do I make a difference? And so it's just like trying to get a root on like what, what sparks my passion and, and what makes me happy and what am I, what are, what does my knowledge come from and how do I like 
package that up and and teach others about it because I don't want to sell anything I hate that it's like I'm not here to sell anything I just and I was always like that I was a personal trainer before too and I owned a wellness studio and like that was always my mission is like I don't want you to leave here and not know how to do any of this on your own like I want to teach you so that when I leave this becomes something sustainable in your life and practical for you and something you can incorporate so it's just taking all of the all of my whole path and my whole journey and all of the fields and things I've been in and just like how do I package that up and keep teaching people and do something so much bigger than myself. Oh, that's incredible. So it sounds like you've sort of done a, a quite the 180 then from your experience growing up in Arizona to moving to Oregon and really carving your own path, which is so beautiful. Thank you. It's such, it's, I mean, you, I'm sure, you know, you've probably been on a similar path. It's not easy. And I want to say that because it's, I, (laughs) I don't want it to be like, like, I don't want to ever put on like the portrayal that like, I feel happy all the time. And it's just been this like great experience. Cause like, like doing internal work is like really hard and muddy sometimes. And I don't know, especially because I'm like a cancer that like it can be emotional for me, but then you come out on the other side and you're like, oh my God, like I've grown so much. I have all these new tools. Like it's, it is really beautiful, but it, it does require some (laughs) work sometimes. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I like that you pointed that out because I think it can be easy, um, and I, I've had feedback in my life experience where people are like, oh, well, that's just you. You seem to make shit happen. That's fine. Um, yeah. But like, yes, that's true, but not out of ease, like out of yeah. honoring that soul calling really and and trusting that. And, and even that, I mean, I'd spent so many years not trusting myself. So what was motivating me to make decisions wasn't the right thing motivating me, but I still had to go down that path. And I feel like for some people, like you said, some people know when they're young, what they want to do, where they're going, what their path is. And they've got a really strong sense of identity and purpose. And to those people, like that's incredible, like good on you. But for some of us, it feels like a bit more of a complex journey. And, and for me, at least I've had to push the absolute extremes and edges of my experience to basically ricochet back to the center and get clear on what feels good to me. And most days of the week, I still couldn't like articulate that in any sort of, you know, reasonable fashion. But I think the thing is, is I, I feel good and I don't feel depressed and down and anxious and I was very much that person for most of my life and I remember that I would wake up in the mornings just resenting the day ahead even though it was a a clear slate and it could be anything I wanted I was just not in the place to do that whereas now I think the most beautiful thing is is that having done a lot of that work and and dealing with you know one of the things I don't know about you Caitlin but it came up for me when I started spending a lot more time on my own And invariably, I would try and figure out ways to numb this. But I didn't like sitting in my shitty feelings. Like, I really hated it. It was crappy to, like, as soon as I had a a break, suddenly all of these weird feelings would come to me, like guilt, um, shame, like anger, all of this stuff. And and I didn't want to deal with it. 
and I do everything to like keep burying it beneath the surface but it fucking comes up eventually and you have to face it and and process it and but once you let that stuff go you're so much lighter and like the consequences yeah of what you do are just like it's for you it's just Mm -hmm. yeah freeing really freeing I think too I noticed especially when I was personal training because I was always with women it's I feel like as women were told not told to do this but it could be a bit of programming where it's like whenever someone's like having a shitty day or having those feelings it's your kind of immediate reaction is like oh you're fine it's gonna be fine everything's gonna be fine so we kind of that's how we deal with it too is just like you know, something would come up and you just push it down and be like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Instead of going into the feeling and being like, no, this is really hard. And these are the things I'm feeling and literally just sitting with them and feeling them. And, and it passes. Like when you do that, it passes. It doesn't get pushed down to come up later when you're, I feel like a lot of people, like when you're drinking, it comes out or it comes out another day or it comes out when you're lashing out at your partner. It just processes and like you said you just it's so much lighter and freeing and I think even as like friends we need to do that not only for ourselves but like do that for each other and our community to be like I am here to listen to whatever you're feeling and it is okay for you to be feeling all of those things yeah yeah I think that's huge I think that's something our society um you know, we promote this idea of perpetual happiness and that everything is always rainbows and sunshine. And it, and part of the human experience is those, you know, it's duality. We have these other, other feelings that are not so, you know, enjoyable sometimes, but it is, it's the ability to hold space for people experiencing, you know, shame or guilt or anger or frustration or sadness depression anxiety anything holding space for it takes the shame away from the person experiencing it if you're going to them and saying oh you'll be fine don't worry about it you're good you'll be fine it's it it makes the individual feel like they're inherently flawed because they're not fine and but they're still sitting with this feeling that's very real to them and 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 if you have people pleasing tendencies it's really even more difficult because you're wanting to sort of get on that level with the other person and you're just not honoring yourself it's it's extremely um dysfunctional and unhealthy yeah yeah Yeah. I couldn't have said that better more conversation needs to happen around that I think because I think inherently there are a lot of um uh emotionally driven people in the world and we all have feelings and it's normal (laughs) it's so normal (laughs) it's so normal oh my gosh all of the feelings you're so right on every on both ends of the spectrum it is so normal (laughs) and then I think the beauty too is when when you let them come and go you realize too that you don't have to identify with them like experiencing, I had a conversation with a friend recently who had experienced a bout of depression and it was such a traumatic experience for him and, but he still holds on to the trauma of it and and is mm. really like, yeah, it's really bad, it's really bad and um, it's almost like he's, there's a bit of PTSD and he's still living it yeah. and and there's an attachment to it. There's an attachment to the feeling as opposed to like honoring it 
and letting it pass. Oh, that's so true. You're so right. I didn't even think about the attachment, but you're so right. Because, yeah, just either – yeah, there's two routes to going, either like pushing down the feeling and pretending it's not there or like attaching deeply to it. And you're right, just like reliving it over and over and over instead of just feel it deeply and let it pass, let it go through you. What does what does living in alignment sort of mean to you? And what um, what daily rituals do you practice that support you to stay in alignment with yourself and your soul? Yeah. So for me, I think it's touching on that box that we create for ourselves or that our programming, our parents or our society creates for us. And to me, that's completely out of alignment. And, you know, for me, I know when I'm out of alignment because I'm, I'm, I'm really unhappy. My anxiety usually flares up. Um, I can, you know, go back into being um, depressed. So a lot of times it's like on a physical level and even like my stress levels, I carry my stress physically a lot. That's when I really know I'm out of alignment. And for me, being in alignment was really just getting down to like, what are the things that spark joy for me, make me feel my best? Um, and really just that, like what rituals do I do every day that really make my me feel my best? And and so joyful and even when there's hard days and it's challenging and especially with like starting a business over again when I've had a failed business it's like every day I just I have to do I have these certain practices and rituals that are still going to make me feel my best to support me during those really challenging days when I'm doubting myself and for me it's it's First thing in the, well, first it is eight to nine hours of sleep. Like we talked about, (laughs) like I have, that is a non-negotiable for me. And it's like rest is so important. If I don't, I feel nauseous. I have a headache. Like it impacts me on a physical level. So um, it's not all in my head, but I have to get a full night's rest. And then it's creating a coffee tonic each morning. And that to me was like, so special because it was taking something that for so long was just this like mundane half-assed routine that I would just like make coffee to get that like caffeine high but then at the same time was giving me jitters and making my heart raise and making my anxiety flare up so I started creating coffee tonics which stemmed from like being in the fitness industry and doing bulletproof so I'm getting like a sustainable release of caffeine into my system and now I incorporate all of these beautiful herbs and I really try and make it a conscious practice every morning where I'm asking myself like what do I need what kind of support do I need for today so that's how I add in what herbs that I'm choosing um, into my thing or what ingredients that I'm adding in is like what do I want to feel today so I really bring a lot of consciousness into it and also I want to say I'm so privileged and thankful because I know not everyone has the time in the morning, whether you have like children or you have to rush off to like a commute to work. I'm so lucky that I get to work from home. So I have, I get to carve out all this time in the morning for all these beautiful rituals. And after the coffee, it's meditating and doing a little bit of sunbathing with the dogs because the dogs literally cry from the second the sun gets up at the door to the outside on the porch sunbathing like they are I don't like if I took them back to the studio apartment right now they they don't even like they are totally new dogs they don't they wouldn't even know what life we used to have so they are so they are loving nature so much 
So we sunbathe and then just like connecting with nature. Like for me, meditation is so simple. It's just like planting my feet in the ground, getting some sun and just like being still with the sounds of the birds and the horses down below. And I know not everyone has access to the, to the horses right by them or a creek behind their house, but just getting a few minutes to connect with nature in some way. And even when we lived in the city, when I would walk them in the morning, I would just take a minute to like just get some sun. And after that, it's after that, I consider that like meditating. And then I do a workout in the morning, whatever feels good. And then that just really sets up my whole day. Like my, I'm mentally feeling my best. Um, I'll make like a little smoothie. So I'm getting some nutrients. I, I just know for me to operate at my best and to really be in alignment, I have to take that time in the morning to set myself up. I think because I am a naturally energized person that if I don't, if I don't do that, my energy is chaotic and all over the place. I feel anxious. I'm like scatterbrained. So I have to, I have to be in that routine and, um, to really set myself up for the day. And that's, that's pretty much what keeps me in alignment, I would say. You've accomplished a lot personally and professionally this year from the sounds of it. I especially love the workshops and coffee tonic recipes that you've developed. Can you tell us a little bit about what the motivation is behind it all? A few years ago, I had opened up my own wellness studio in Phoenix, and I thought at the time it was my dream. I won't, I won't minimize it and say I thought that was my dream because at the time that was my th- was my dream, and I made it happen, and it was really beautiful, and I got to help women build confidence through strength training and really incorporating my love for holistic nutrition. And then I would host really cool wellness events with, I had a really, we had a few different brands, like almost 30 and holisticism would host workshops and it was really beautiful and it was everything that I wanted. And then it's, I realized like I thought a lot of freedom would come from owning my own space, but owning a brick and mortar, you're kind of, it's kind of the opposite of having freedom because you have to be there all the time. And the overhead is a lot, especially when we live in this like digital matrix of like everything can be done online. And here I was paying thousands and thousands of dollars a month to like keep a roof over our head. And so after I, I call that a failure because it was just financially, it was a failure. And I, I hate that I call it that now because I've had women reach out to me afterwards that are like, it wasn't a failure. You're, you're like, this is how you changed my life. Like, that's not a failure. And so I'll just clarify and say it was a financial failure. So I closed it down and it was out of alignment for me at the time. And um, I would, then I got a remote position working for To Be Magnetic. And that brought me so much like financial freedom and really kind of sparked up that like entrepreneurship bug back in me again to create something for some for other people and really teach them and uh, I'm just such a believer in and I think in this world of wellness there's a lot of people out there either trying to or a lot of brands out there trying to sell you a product or there's a lot of quote-unquote gurus or healers that are supposed to know like all these things or are gifted with these things that you're not gifted with and you don't know and this is why you need them and I want to be this different voice in the world of wellness because Wellness has completely changed my life in so many ways and just my mental health and making me feel alive. And I want to be this voice that's teaching you how to make 
these practices, some of these practices sustainable in your life. And for me, it was like the coffee tonics in the morning where I was buying these adaptogens and mushroom powders and all these things that are really beautiful. There's some beautiful products out there that are really beneficial, but for me, it's like a $50 jar of this and a $50 CBD of that. Like it just wasn't sustainable for me to keep up that like budget. And I wanted to make a way, I was like, how can we use things that are literally growing in our own gardens if that's all you have access to or that you can buy from someone who it, there's quality and is still affordable. And I started making these own powders, these herbal powders in my kitchen and incorporating those into my tonics. And they were still giving me all these amazing benefits. And I was keeping my anxiety at bay and making me feel energized and grounded at the same time. And so that's kind of how I started. I made a workshop that that teaches like that simple practice and of just like taking mundane routine. And I feel like routine is, I don't like using that word because it's just like something I feel like we go into autopilot. Like this is just part of my routine and, and really creating these beautiful rituals where we're kind of bringing consciousness into it and it's still affordable and it doesn't take a ton of time and you can, they're sustainable in multiple ways, whether it's for the environment or just for our budgets and for me, that's like the next big thing is just taking that jump into teaching people how to bring those practices into their lives instead of selling this or that or telling you I'm the expert or I'm the guru or I'm this healer or whatever. I just want to teach people because like like how when I was training, if I disappear, I want these practices to be sustainable and these rituals just to keep going in their own lives. And I want to help people make feel as good as I feel and I, I don't feel amazing every single day but I have these tools that help me get to that place so I want to teach people those tools because and I want to help too just like by sharing my journey is to again inspire being like courageous and stepping through the fear and stepping through all those like boxes and boundaries that we set for ourselves and and just being like kind loving human beings and our happiest selves for us and for our families and for our friends and you talk about some of the inaccessible parts of the wellness industry. Like it's it's absolutely a, a multi-gazillion dollar industry worldwide now. And you you make a really strong point about it being um, sometimes in, like too expensive for people to access. What Like what are some of your frustrations around the wellness industry and what is – I mean, wellness is probably a bit of a buzzword now, but like, what does yeah. it really mean for you? Like, what what does it mean for you? Because it shouldn't be something that has a huge price tag on it and is elitist and is creating separation. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that you use those words because it's so it's so true. And and I was so integrated into especially like the LA wellness scene that it it is it's gotten to a point where it is so elitist and so exclusive and it's very much marketed to one specific demographic whether they want to admit that or not and it's it's so frustrating to watch and and I would hear the feedback of people of like that's not accessible for me and that's not doable for my budget and it's it would break my heart because it's we've just gotten to this point where wellness is a buzzword and it is an industry now where they're just trying to sell you things and and you like you need this 
this crazy sustainable, like crazy expensive sustainable dress. And like, there's all these different like rules too, where it's like, you have to use like eco-friendly everything and you have to only eat this way and you have to move your body this way. And like, there's so, so much rules in order for like, for you to have this success or for, for you to be well or whatever it may be. And it's so frustrating to watch because for me, it changed my life when I was a farmer at 21 and none of this existed. And like none of these things, these powders, these potions, these oils, these jade rollers, these whatever it is, like none of it existed. And I was still taking care of myself and my mental health. And it's so frustrating to watch and to all the marketing that goes behind it. It's just become this industry and I just, there's people starting to speak out about it. And that makes me so happy. People with much larger platforms than I have that are starting to call it out. And that makes me so happy because it's just bringing awareness because I think, you know, when you're excited about it too, I was so, I mean, I was that person that like, I should, I should buy those bed sheets and I should have that day dress and I should have that oil. And like, you get kind of sucked into all of it and you get excited. And because wellness is, it is so fun, at least for me, it's like been such a fun journey. And so I got very much sucked into it. And then I was like, I, but I'm broke now. Like I have no money and for what to like tag it on Instagram and they like get a shout, like, for what am I doing this for? And some of these things make you feel good. And other things, it's like, I don't feel shit from this $50 powder. Like, I don't, well, why should I keep buying it? If it's like, because this influencer is telling me to buy it because they're getting paid by that brand. Like, you just have to, it's like become such a matrix. So I feel like I have been so immersed in it. And I've been in it from before it was cool to now it's like trendy and cool and whatever. I just want to keep being a voice for like, you don't need to spend all this money in order for you to like, I guess the best way to put it, it's not like wellness. It's just like to take care of your well-being. Like you don't, you don't need all of this to be happy. You don't need all of this to take care of yourself and your family. And it can be done so accessibly and sustainably. And we just have to like keep sharing our simple practices to keep inspiring others because otherwise we have no idea that these things exist. So ugh, it's it's a journey, but I'm glad that more people, there's more awareness around it now. Definitely, definitely. And what, in your opinion, are um, the fundamentals for cultivating our well-being? I think the biggest thing I'm going to say, and this is something I learned when I was training, and I it I wish more leaders and I wish more people would talk about it is that everything doesn't work for everybody. So like for me, why I don't sell like nutrition plans or tell you how to eat because I did, I ended up going to school for holistic nutrition. So technically I could do all of that, but we're all so different, not only on like your DNA and on a genetic level. So like nutrition is one thing that we're so different on. Like celery juice in the morning may work for you, but it may not work for me. And, um, you know, like gluten-free may work for you, but it may not work for me. Like there's, it, we're all so different, but the same applies to everything in the wellness industry, whether it be a workshop that you're buying or, um, a, you know, like ther- a therapist or therapy or hypnotherapy, like, it applies on every single level. So if you don't resonate with something, whether, and 
this is okay. I'm going to touch on this. If you don't resonate with something and something is not working for you, but the person selling you that thing or that you're working with is telling you that's because it's your fault. It's not your fault. We're all programmed so differently. And I just want to give you the confidence to stop doing that, whether it works for a thousand people and you feel like you're the only person it's not working for. I guarantee you there's others it's not working for too. So I just want everyone to kind of check in with themselves. And that's something I try and always teach too is like when I am giving a recipe, it's like this is just your base. I just want to give you a base, but experiment. And and if there's an herb that you that doesn't taste good to you or makes you feel funny, like stop using it. If there's a program you're doing and it doesn't feel good for your body, like stop doing it. Like I just want to give you the freedom to like check in with yourself because your body is going to give you the answers. Your mind is going to give you the answers. Your heart and your soul are going to give you all of those answers. And it just takes some time to like get quiet and really like a simple practice that I do every morning is just like, what do I need today? And I apply that to my workouts. I apply that to how I eat and I apply that to how I meditate, what goes in my coffee tonics. It's just asking myself what what do I need today? And because every day is going to be different and and just tuning in with what makes you feel good. So I just I I I don't want to give like for me my base is like movement every day, eating real whole foods and simple meditation, but it could be totally different for you and I just want to invite you to like explore that. I love that. I think that is the perfect invitation to get people to connect with their their wants and their needs and their desires. And I think that's part of the challenge in our society where we're fed so much information. We're constantly being bombarded with messaging, telling us what we want, what we should want, what our desires should be, how we should be feeling and, and or what we should look like. And instead turning that inwards and and I know that we say this a lot but um as you just said if if you react to something or you don't like it or you turn your nose up at something um it's maybe not for you and that's okay and you can keep exploring to figure out what does feel right for you the thing that I always see the biggest thing of is like you're being sold these things these programs these products and and then you question if it doesn't work for you, you you question what's wrong with you. Like I've seen so many people like, well, what's wrong with me that this isn't working? What's wrong with me that I'm, and it's like, that breaks my heart. Like there's nothing wrong with you. It just doesn't resonate and that's okay. It's not, it's nothing you should take on as your own fault. Oh my goodness. I really love um, Ayurveda for that. I try and practice um, different sort of Ayurvedic principles, particularly when it comes to, um, like my diet and learning to, I tend to eat seasonally. I, I eat what's, um, you know, available at the markets, at the local markets and that sort of thing. I'm a big sort of supporter of that. And, and it seems to work for me from a, a diet perspective. But I noticed the other day I was like really going on the smoothie train, like day in, day out, like making these really wicked, delicious smoothies. Um, but I started noticing that I was retaining a lot of water and I was feeling really kind of puffy and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder what it is. And I was like, well, like my, my diet hasn't shifted and like, I'm not taking in any more calories, so to speak. Like I just, this is really interesting. And then I was exploring it from an Ayurvedic perspective and that was, um, 
that was I had a cafe imbalance then suddenly because cold, smooth sort of food items are associated with kaffa, the water element. I was like, ah, interesting. And then suddenly, because I'm typically a vata-pitta combination, I'm not sure if you're into Ayurveda, but um, I would started steering away from eating lots of salads and was encouraged to eat a lot more cooked foods because that would help balance out my natural vata. But then I realized I needed more vata to balance out this kaffa excess. And so I started eating salads and within two days, like my body completely went back to normal and I lost sort of that weird puffy water weight thing that was going on. And it was just a simple like balancing act like, oh, okay, well, this is the opposite. Like if I'm doing this, maybe I'll try the opposite. And and that's been really empowering because I don't know, like... I think as a woman, sometimes I'm—I don't think I'm at that stage yet where I'm fully, fully, a hundred million percent comfortable in my body. I sometimes get angry at it when it fluctuates. Um, but it's great to know that there are these, um, like, ancient schools of thought that are tried and tested that you can incorporate into your life, and that you don't have to go on some crazy diet, and you don't have to. Uh, deprive yourself it's just shifting up listening to yourself what does your body need on any given day I love that you ask yourself that every day that's like I'm gonna do that (laughs) I, I love that you shared that because it's like especially as women like we would see the puffiness and the bloatedness and look in the mirror and like immediately body bash and instead you're just like okay what am I doing differently like you're so in tune what am I doing differently like what could I shift around and it's literally just a simple shift like that and then seeing your body react oh that makes me so excited because it's like just it's it's so beautiful to be like that in tune with your body and giving it what it needs and just taking little shifts and trying little different things and you're right it's like these ancient practices it's not like oh great now I need to like do celery juice for a whole month or I need to do this for like you're not you're you're not going to a place of depriving you're just like okay I'm gonna make a little shift and see what happens and and it made it sense to me because I think it's a balance. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, I've really been going hard at the smoothies. Like, and they're filled with, you know, nut butter and like my almond milk and bananas and all of this. Like, they're delicious. Um, oh, I love but I was like, that every day for me is probably like, my body doesn't need that every day. Like a couple times a week for sure. But you could also do with, you know, eating some salad. <laughs> oh, totally. I love that. And I love that it's something that's like, quote, it's healthy too, like, uh, like, quote, unquote, healthy, like everything in it is a real whole food ingredient. But your body is still reacting in a way that it's like, uh, like, we don't need this every single day. Like, I it's, I, oh, that makes me so happy. It's just like such proof of like, we're all so different. You just have to tune in. <laughs> and on the flip side of that too, right? Like, um, when I have a lot of salad or raw vegetables or raw anything, um, I get really bloated and gassy <laughs> and that's really unpleasant. So, um, yeah, so it's, it is, it's really just sort of finding that balance and what works for you. And some people you do, you see them promoting like completely raw vegan diets and that doesn't work for me. Like I tried it. It really doesn't work for me. And it made my skin break out so bad. I needed, um, I needed meat in my diet. So I yeah. went on a journey to find the most, you know, sustainably sourced um, meat products and and that sort of thing. And I try and incorporate organ meat and different things. So I'm getting all of the nutrients that I that I need. But 
yeah, having labels around food and diet and how you do things, it's so frustrating. When, and, and then there's this, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like this superiority that sometimes comes from like the, the vegan wellness culture that's been created. Like, oh, oh, you eat meat? Like you're a murderer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had people like message me because I don't tell people what I eat. One, I don't label myself because that's that's how like those disordered thoughts happen is you, you're you putting yourself into that box. Um, but it's so true. Like I've had people message me that will literally like go off if they're like, are you vegan? And I'm like, no, I, I intuitively eat. I'm I'm mostly plant-based and I eat animal products and my body craves it. And they'll like immediately unfollow or go off on me. And it's like, you have like, our bodies are so different. And two, I'm the same way as you were like, I don't eat it a whole lot. But when I do, it's from literally the ranch across the road from me. It's like the most sustainably like way to eat any form of animal product. The cows are literally, I can see them out here, like just grazing on grass all day. The chickens are right across the street. Like I, I am very conscious about where I source all that from. And if anyone's like, if you're ever looking for tips on how to like kind of, if you want to like ease yourself out of animal products, that's a beautiful way to start too, because these things do cost more. So you naturally kind of eat less, but then you'll kind of realize that your body doesn't need a ton of that. And you'll just kind of tune. I just tune into like when I crave it and I'll, I'll go and sustainably source it. And then it's like, I'm good. I'm, I don't need it anymore. And yeah, when you put yourself in that, it's so crazy. The like superior superiority and like the labeling that goes on if you're not a certain thing. And it's like, I just eat what my body needs. And it's that simple. Uh, yeah. And you do, you need to take the time to figure out what works for you. And, and it's trial and error. And my, my journey with food at the moment is coming full circle in a way. My family, um, my grandparents were Polish and they came to Australia after the second world war. And so um, very, very like, humble beginnings with you know Polish grandparents um my mom was a single mom and my my grandmother spent a lot of time raising me and she would teach me how to cook but her way of cooking was very um uh traditional she grew up in this really small village in Poland and so she would source an animal from the local butcher and she would use every single part of it everything um and she would make stocks and make like a million different meals um and I see so much value in that and she also said to me I'll never forget and she was like because I think I asked her one time we met we were laughing because she was like showing me like the bum of a chicken and she's like oh this is the tastiest part and I was like what that's so gross why would you eat a chicken bum and she's like Nikki like when these animals give us their life you have to honor the life that was given to us so that it could sustain us and give us a meal in her Polish accent and not in so many words. And I was like, yeah, no, that's, you know, didn't resonate as much with me then as a six-year-old. But now I think about it and I'm like, yeah, even when you go to the butcher and you see these like perfectly cut, like these perfect cuts of meat and different things, um, it's it's we we market meat in a way so that you know we're not even honoring where it came from like this animal that gave us its life and we're we're picking like the best parts of it to sell and the rest of it just go to waste like it's so unnecessary and wasteful 
Oh my God. That's it's, I love that. She said that that's so beautiful and you're so right. And it like just feeds like the factory farming industry that much more. Like I, that's, that's where I like, if I can't support that, I think being in farming and, and seeing that side of things is like horrific. Um, but like, you're right. Like they're to honor the animal that's, that's giving you life. And I mean, there's even dyes that are added into the meat at like the grocery store to make it look more appealing. It's so crazy. It's so, it's gone so like far from what it was, what it started at is and what it is and how na like how nature works. It's nuts. Actually, that's a really good thing to ask you with your experience on the farm. What are some sort of, um, what are some big learnings that you've taken away from that in terms of how you consume food and how you shop for food and what can people maybe look out for who you know typically go to like a big box grocery store or something yeah oh man it's like such a big part of my heart so I'm like you where I I look forward we have a farmer's market here like the first thing I did when I moved was where when and where is the farmer's market and what other small like local business can I support that has these like health foods and I am so grateful and lucky that I live in a town. It's a tiny town of 200 people, but it's all ranchers and farmers. So literally every, I like I've cried a couple times because it's, it's so beautiful that like everything from my eggs to my blueberries, to my cherries, to my greens, to the meat that I buy for the dogs, everything is grown or raised right within a couple miles of me. And that's, I, I know mostly I didn't have access to that until I lived out here. So the biggest tips that I would take away is look into whatever city you're at, look at where the farmer's market's at, what day it's usually, it's going to be Saturdays. I think for most towns, that's what it is here. And that's how it was in Phoenix. So just keep an eye out for when the farmer's market is. And I know it can be a little overwhelming at first when you haven't been, especially if you're used to like a big grocery store. Another question I always get asked is people think it's more expensive than a grocery store. And oftentimes it is a lot less expensive than at the grocery store, at least for produce. Um, meat's a different thing. Eggs are usually, depending on what eggs you're buying at the store, it's usually about the same price, sometimes cheaper um, to buy like locally raised eggs. But always it, there's... For me, I always said, I told people to go to like the smaller tables and the smaller farms because they're having to compete with a lot of big guys. And I was that small farmer. So like your advantage, a lot of times they can't get certified organic because it's basically just a certification that you pay for and it costs a lot of money. So the smaller farms, a lot of times are using these same exact practices, they just can't afford to get a certification. So you can always walk up to those tables and just ask if there's any pesticides or if it is like if they did grow it organically. And usually it's the person that grew it is at the table talking to you or is involved in the farm in some way. And for them to compete with a bigger farm, they're generally going to have lower prices. So I always kind of say like start there. And if you don't know what to do with all this stuff, like every week when I go, I just buy a ton of vegetables and then it gets me during the week to get creative. I make, I mean, when in doubt, make a pizza out of a ton of vegetables. Like you just buy, like make your own crust or buy like whatever and throw a bunch of vegetables on it. You'll never regret that. Um, salads are a big one. You can do it in smoothies. For me, I've been 
uh, freezing a lot of stuff too because I know once winter comes I'm going to have a lot less access to things since it's going to be there's going to be a lot of snow here so just kind of like preparing for that it's it really for me it's been so fun because it gets you to experiment with things that you probably wouldn't buy at the bigger grocery store like I'd never bought like radishes and turnips from like a Whole Foods because it just didn't interest me and here I buy it because it's in season and then I've like pickled them or like just done really fun stuff with things that I normally wouldn't buy and then the dogs get a lot of the scraps um like the green tops the carrot greens they love everything it's so good for their teeth um and just having fun with it and getting curious like I feel like people again it's like one of those things that they kind of like work up in their head and it's like just go to a market, like either bring a friend or a partner or your kids. Like it's a place for everyone to go to your dogs, if they're well-behaved, unlike mine. Um, and just like have fun with it. And there's so many different like vendors too, of like people who this is their livelihood and they're like baking bread out of their kitchens. And it's literally like three ingredient bread or two ingredient bread. Like it's, the quality you're getting, everything tastes so amazing. You're supporting these like people and their families that are just so beautiful and there's so much love that goes into what they're making. I just think there's, you get such a deeper connection to what's going into your body when you start there, at least for me. And that's kind of like what changed the game for me is the connection that you're having to your food is, is so cool. And it's something that we just skip over in this day and age where like, you go to a Whole Foods, you go to a Sprouts, you go to a big chain grocery store and everything's accessible all year long, no matter what season it is. And for me, it's been cool too to like get excited about the different seasons because you know something's coming into season like for like fruits in season right now. Like, oh, there's going to be cherries at the market. And and like you don't get excited when you go to the grocery store because cherries are always there or whatever. So it like brings this whole new level of excitement too that I think you, you can have so much God, fun I with. I love that so much. I'm definitely on your wavelength there. I'm obsessed with my local farmer's market. I'm part of a co-op and I pay a – um like a fee for three months or however they do it. And um, I just turn up every, I do it every two weeks because you get so much stuff. It lasts me for two weeks as a single person. But um, yeah, I go and there's like 10 to 12 different items from all these local farmers and they support Meals on Wheels and, and they've got all of these different charity initiatives, which is really nice. And the community itself is just so beautiful. But you go and you get like the biggest bunches of kale and all of these cucumbers and herbs and this and that. And like, it's just, I just have the biggest grin on my face. And I just think it's this magical place that I get to go to. And I get this huge basket of delicious, fresh produce. That's all organic, all supporting local farmers, like fresh out of the ground. I'm like, it's like Christmas. Oh my God. It totally is. We're the same person. Cause that's how excited I get too. I'm like, our market is canceled this Saturday. And I'm like, damn it. What am I going to do? I'm like, who, who am I? I just get turned on by vegetables. I know. <laughs> I get so, I was, the ladies were laughing at me. One of the vendors last week, cause she had like blueberries and raspberries and cher she had cherries and then she had this like giant zucchini and it was a dollar and I was like literally squealing and she is cracking up and I was like I'm sorry I just get so excited and she's like no I love it and it's important to nourish ourselves with good food like quality food that we know 
um, where it's coming from, where it's sourced. And I think when in doubt, just ask the question, like, where is this from? Oh my God. Yeah. Just ask. They're, they, I mean, they're so happy to answer. Like there's just ask how it was grown, where it was grown. Like that's all you have to do. And they're so willing to tell their story. And again, you're like, you're usually meeting the people that are either growing it themselves or are involved in the farm in some way. And it's so, it's so special to have that community too. Like it's just, I mean, it's so beautiful. It is. It really is. Um, so my last question for you, Caitlin, is what does it mean to you to have a wild heart? Mm, I love that question. Um, for me, who I mean, we touched on it a bit, but I really just think it's listening to whether it's that voice or that feeling inside of you that if logically you think about it, it doesn't really make sense, but it something inside of you is calling out for that thing and maybe it scares you a little bit maybe it does bring up a little bit of fear but you just can't shake it it's just an undeniable force within you that like you can't shake that to me is a wild heart and just and following it I mean following through with it and making the jumps or following your curiosity or you know being courageous and growing through the fear to me is just it it's it it's wild and it's beautiful and i i wouldn't want to live any other way and even on the craziest days it's just like i would never choose any other way of living so i think it's the most beautiful journey you can take yourself on if you live with a wild heart mm, thank you for sharing that that's so beautiful um now where for those listening who would like to connect with you or learn more about your amazing coffee tonics through your workshops, how can people connect with you? They can find me on my website is caitlincuriosity.com and my Instagram where I'm being a weirdo most of the time, but I post recipes and workouts and fun stuff on there is at caitlincuriosity as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with me today, sharing your stories, um, going deep, being vulnerable. I really want to honor that. And and I appreciate your time that you spent with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. This was amazing and such a beautiful mission that you're sharing. So I'm so grateful. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Caitlin Smith. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe wherever it is that you choose to podcast and share it with a friend if you think they might find this conversation interesting. I also wanted to share some news with you. So this weekend, I'll be completing a human design reader training through Jenna Zoe. You can learn more about her by heading to her website at jennazoe.com. But for those of you unfamiliar with human design, it's a tool that is rooted in science and ancient wisdom that really helps us connect and realign our energetic body in order to become who we're supposed to be. Studying human design and my own chart over the last couple of years has profoundly changed my life and I'll be recording an episode about this in the future for you to listen to. 
But because I found this tool so insanely beneficial and supportive, I want everybody to know about it. So for the month of November, I'm offering a 30-minute basic chart reading for 30 US dollars. For those of you who might be feeling a little stuck in one or more areas of your life or as though you're kind of struggling with your own energy levels, Um, If that's the case, why not take advantage by booking a reading with me? All you have to do is head to my personal Instagram, which is heynikkij, H-E-Y-N-I-K-K-I-J-A-E, and hit the link in the bio and it will send you straight to the booking page. You should also know that Caitlin, who I've just interviewed, offers virtual personal training tailored to your human design energy type. So definitely something to look into once you embark on your own human design journey. Thanks again for listening and until next week, take care.